Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Today, I have Eric Jackson on the show, and we are talking about his book and his podcast, Feral Christian. Now, that topic definitely got my attention and In today's interview, we talk about why he chose that title and what that really means to him. I loved talking to Eric because he has such a desire for Christians to step into their God-given calling, even if it is outside of the norm or what we might be used to seeing within our churches or within our communities. So enjoy this interview and this unique perspective of how we can step into everything that God is calling each of us individually into. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. It's it's such an honor, and and as we've even been discussing a little bit, this is a scary time in some ways, but it's also an incredibly encouraging time, and some ways because what's going on is um, really showing us that uh, hey there's other people who feel the way we feel and um, this is kind of forcing us who have felt uh, a certain way and felt like God is saying something to us for a long time the the events that are going on and the craziness that's going on is kind of pushing us out of our comfort zone and kind of making us talk about these things. And that's when we're all starting to realize, oh, there's other people who are hearing this. There's other people who feel this way. And so, um, yeah, I'm just excited. And so, I mean, just to introduce myself a little bit. I'm, I'm My name is Eric. I'm a pastor way up in Northwoods of Wisconsin. And so it's freezing here right now. Um, but but I love it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful area. And um, I, I wrote a book called Feral Christian um, a little while ago, just to share my heart on some things that that God had been telling me and really used the whole testimony of my life with going through a rebellious period and, and feeling um, fenced in, in in church culture and, and um, just knowing that I needed to to speak this to people. And so um, that's really been my passion for, for a while now is, is to allow people to truly pursue the call that God's put on their life. Mm, thank you. So what does feral Christian mean to you? Yeah. And that's a great question. And to me, that is why I chose that. Cause that's usually the, the first question I get. And, and usually it's asked in kind of a, what were you thinking? This is doesn't seem like this is a great way to title a book. Um, but for me, that was extremely important because what I found being, I, I grew up in the church. I've worked, um, I've pretty much held every position there is in the church, children's ministry, youth ministry. I've been a worship leader. Um, I've been an associate pastor. I've been a lead pastor. And what I've seen is that the church, unfortunately, um, and I don't know if they meant to, has redefined a lot of words. And so they've taken words um, from the Bible 
that sound really good and sound very official and very spiritual. And we just slowly over time redefine them so that we get to kind of choose, hey, this is what we'd rather this word means this rather than what it actually means. And I've run into that quite a bit in, in just my time as a pastor. And so I knew in writing this book, I needed a word that people didn't, for the most part, have a solid definition of so that I could define it. Mm. And, um, and so for me, it was this idea of actually living the way that a Christian is called to live um, and what that, that word might be. And, and when I was looking up the word feral was just a perfect fit. Cause when I look up a definition of feral, it is basically to act in a way that's an, that's appropriate for a species to act. And I thought that's, that's it. That's exactly it. But I also loved it because it has a negative connotation to it, even though it's not a negative word. In fact, it's a good word. It means this animal is acting in a way that's appropriate for this animal to act, but it just, it was one of those things that we've made negative, even though it's not. And so um, basically what I wanted to do is, is mirror what we've kind of done with Christianity as far as it seems like when people act the way that they're really called to act in the church, we view them negatively. Mm. And, and so I wanted to mirror that because if you look at like a, let's say a feral dog, um, there's nothing wrong with the way they act. In fact, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, the problem is that we just don't want them in the nice neighborhood that we've built. So it's mm -hmm. not necessarily that we hold against them how they act, but we just don't want them to mess up what we've built. So it's kind of like, yeah, that's fine. You can act that way. Just do it somewhere else because we've built this nice little picket fence neighborhood and you doing what you're supposed to do kind of messes up what we've built. So it's like this protection of what you've built. And, and that is what I feel has happened in the church is, is the church has kind of built this thing that they think is very pretty and tidy and nice. And so when you have Christians who are really chasing after God's call and trying to just live out exactly the way they're called to live out, it's scary for the people who enjoy their nice little tidy thing that they've built. Mm -hmm. And so it's been, that has been the, the overall kind of core of just giving freedom to those people to say, Hey, you're allowed to be inconvenient. Mm -hmm. As long as you are truly living out what God is calling you to live out and, and you're reading the Bible and it's matching up with the Bible. And, you know, you can look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm obeying God. I'm listening. Um, you're allowed to be inconvenient and mm -hmm. you're allowed to mess up nice little tidy neighborhoods if that's what happens. Mm, yeah, that's such important permission. I think we're all like looking for that, but we go, wait a second, this, the status quo says this, and I don't really want to mess up this tidiness. Do you get pushback on that? On saying, go ahead, just, just be what you're supposed to be. Do you get pushback? On giving people that kind of permission, quote unquote. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I get pushed back on most of it. And and it's it's even kind of funny the way, you know, where God has placed me is in more of a very traditional kind of place. So even in just operating, you know, here, I love the people here. It's an amazing place, but I can even see the tension of wait a minute, this doesn't really fit with 
you know, the way that we view things. And, and for sure, um, because what it is, and, and I kind of talk about it in the book, it's all about fences is, um, you know, we're called to be um, free. That's what the Bible says. Now, again, freedom, that can be misquoted and that can be misdefined. Um, but there should be an air of um, the ability to run. You know, like that's if you look at like an animal, the, the, the having space to run, having space to roam. Um, and so when you look around and for most people, you know, as I've talked to um, a lot of people about this, overall, most Christians um, that really have a passion for what God's calling them to do feel fenced in. They, they feel that frustration of, of uh, man, what do I do? There's these fences in front of me, but God's calling me to something that's outside of these fences. And so anytime that you push through a fence, there's going to be pushback because again, somebody's built that fence. Someone's put time and energy into that fence mm -hmm. and they probably thought they were doing it for God. And so there's going to be a lot of frustration when you are you know, quote, destroying something that someone else has built. And that's the difficult position that most Christians are in is it's like, God's calling me past this. But in order to get there, I have to push down something that someone's built. And that's really important to somebody. And, and that's where you even go to the book of Acts and you look at the disciples, you know, kind of when they first started preaching the gospel boldly, um, you know, and they got put in jail and the Jewish leaders basically said, like, we're going to kill you if you keep doing this. And we're giving you a chance to stop because you are destroying what, you know, our culture and tradition is all about. And the disciples basically answered and they were like, you know, we understand what you're saying. And we understand that the threats that you are making are, are real and we should be scared of them because you, you can hurt us. And, and that's a real possibility, but they were just like, but you tell us what's right to listen to you or listen to God. And they were just basically like, look, we don't want to hurt you guys. We don't want to make you mad. That's not the point of what we're doing. But I mean, you tell us, do you really think it's right for us to hear something from God and know it's what he's calling us to do and for us to not do it? And I think that's just the attitude you have to have is, you know, we got to be careful where we're not tearing things down just for the fun of it, but knowing, oh man, if God's calling me to this, I, his voice has to just be so much more important than everything else. Right. Yeah. So how do you encourage someone to take those steps past the fence? They, they feel that calling like, wait a second, I'm not meant to be inside this box, this fence. How do you encourage people? I mean, I think it's really encouraging just to know that you're not alone. Like there's other people feeling it, but what would you say? Yeah. And it, to me, that's pretty much the most important question is the, what, what practical steps can I take right now? And, and I address it in the book and I basically talk about your fire because in the old Testament, uh, the, the Israelites were led by fire. Fire is what showed them. It, it pulled them where they were supposed to go. And in the book, I kind of talk about, um, there's, when we lived in Green Bay, we bought a house that had a wood burning fireplace and, um, we got a bunch of wood for free, but it wasn't cut up very well. And there were some like really huge pieces that I probably should have, you know, separated and all that. 
but I didn't. And I'd always try to use them. I'd get a fire going and it would look really good. It would look like, oh man, this fire's going. And then I would put one of those big pieces of wood on there and it just could never quite handle it. It's like the fire would just go out. It would kind of char on the outside and it would be done. And finally there was one day where it was like a Saturday and it was like 10 degrees below zero. It was freezing. And so Leslie and I just decided we were going to stay home all day. Like we're not going anywhere. And I started a fire at like nine in the morning and just kind of kept it going, kept putting wood on it. And, and by like five o'clock at night, I decided to like throw one of those really big pieces of wood on it. And I was shocked that, I mean, it just, it went up immediately and it had no problem burning that. And I realized that there's, there's coals that need to be there to handle the really big pieces of wood and that even though visually a fire can look really nice and full it's those coals that can tackle the big jobs and basically I explain in the book is if you don't have a deep fire you're not going to push through the fence like you need to have just these red hot coals that don't give you any other choice like you can see it in 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 Joshua's life. It's like, he always acknowledges, even when they're looking at the promised land and everyone's going like, this is impossible. And you can see Joshua going like, yep, there's giants. There's no way we should be able to win. But then there is this fire just deep down. That's just, he's like, but we have to do this. Like God's on our side. We got this. And you can see when you look in the Bible, what people have the, the coals that are just like, don't care. I can see all the reasoning, but there is something in me that is driving me so hard Mm -hmm. that I just can't. And that's even going back to the disciples in the book of Acts. That's what they had. It's like, look, we understand. We understand the fences you're trying to put up. And if we were in our right mind, we would say, yep, and turn around and go back the other way. But we can't. We've just got this. And, And my, the best advice I can give people is to just, continue to to stoke their fire make make it so that there are just red hot coals down deep kind of in your soul because that's the only way you're going to push through a fence because everything in you is going to kind of be like nope turn around you know everything you've ever been taught is okay this is as far as i can go now i'm gonna now i'm gonna turn back um but it's kind of like the you know there's there's dogs who have like that underground fence and if they're just out sniffing around, they're, they're almost always going to obey that kind of, hey, this is as far as you go. But let's say there's a, a squirrel or a, something that all of a sudden that instinct way deep down in them, even though there's like pain to get through, like that's when they'll break through because there's just this yearning, calling, instinct, whatever you want to call it. And so that's, that's the best advice I can give is God's placed a fire in all of us there. And, and it's kind of like our job to take care of it. It's like taking care of a real fire. You got to watch it. You got to flip some things around. You got to stir some things. You got to make sure Mm -hmm. you, you, you're putting dry wood on it. And if you do that for a while, all of a sudden you're going to have this bed of coals that can handle you know, even if there's, there's a, a piece of wood that's a little wet still, or it's huge or whatever, you're, you're ready to handle that stuff. And um, that's, you know, I, I talk about in the book, but that's the best advice I can give people is get those coals because that's, what's going to just push you through. 
because even if you look in the Bible, there's a scene where Jesus uh, says some really difficult things to the crowd and literally everybody leaves Mm -hmm. except for his disciples. And I just, it chokes me up when I think of it because I I, like this actually happened. Jesus looked to his disciples and said, are you guys going to leave too? Which is just like, I get goosebumps thinking of that. And what, what they say is we have nowhere else to go. And it's like, you got to get in that position where your, your fire is just burning so hot that you're like, I don't have any other option. Like if, if I can't pursue this, like, I, I, I don't know what else I can even mm. do with my life. And, and it's getting yourself to that point, because that's one thing I've realized is when it comes to living out your call, if you have other options, you will eventually take it. Like, that's just the way it is. And that's what we see in the Bible. So hopefully that helps give some sort of mm-hmm. like practical uh, wisdom in that. Right. Yeah. Stoking the fire. Like the, I think you mentioned even like with the disciples, not knowing where else to go. Like our love is for you. Our love is for the mission that you called us to. We can't imagine leaving and doing something else, but getting to that place. And I think it's hopeful for people maybe who aren't, are like, I know there's something on the other side of this, but I'm not, I haven't busted through it yet. Just keep stoking that love and keep stoking that fire and what God is stirring in you and uh, that we actually can stoke it and feel it. I think is hopeful and exciting that you could break through that um, that it is practical to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I want to encourage people is you don't have to even be ready for what's on the other side of it. I know that sounds like terrible advice, but it is a pattern in the Bible. There, there were times where God called the Israelites to march all night to get to a battle that they can't win. And you just think of it like, like, Hey, by the way, you can't win this battle. You're completely outnumbered. Um, but I'm asking you to march all night to get there. And it's like, okay, so normally we couldn't win this battle. And now we're going to be exhausted by the time we even get there. But it was just like, God was like, just get there. Mm. And, and they showed up, they did what it took to get there. And then God, they didn't even have to fight. And like, oftentimes it's, we, we don't push past the fence because we're scared. We can't handle what's on the other side where it's like, we just have to handle getting there. And then like, if God's calling us there, like he's going to give us what we need. And so that's the other thing I want to warn people is don't wait until you feel like, okay, now I'm all ready for what's on the other side, because you're never going to be because God isn't calling you to what you're ready for. He's calling you to what he's preparing Mm. for you. And so maybe it means you're not even going to have to fight, or maybe it means that you know, there's, there's a hundred different ways that God has shifted the tide so that his people were able to overcome things. So it's just saying, I don't know how this is all going to play out. I know I'm called there. So I'm just going to get myself there. And then I'm going to see what happens after that. And so just, I want to give people permission to do that as well, because there are times where it's like, you're just going to have to get there. And then you're going to have to see what God's going to do at that point. Mm, yeah, that's, that's really awesome advice. And I know you started, I don't know how people might take it, but I think it's so true in my life. I've asked questions that feel so scary, but you get to the place where you have to ask them, or you have to make decisions that 
I know this is the direction I'm supposed to go, but I have no idea how it's going to play out. And just to be assured that that's all God's asking for you. So often we want like A to Z and I have to take a step back and just be thankful that I have a, like I have the next step. I mean, how cool is that? I have clarity and God is directing us and we don't have to have the how figured out. We don't have to have A to Z figured out. Yeah. Well, and like, and I think you even said a really big part of it is just gratitude. You know, I, when I look back at the old Testament, how amazing it is. And the, and the new Testament keeps pointing this too, is like this, you know, pillar of fire that was up in the sky that was leading the Israelites that even at that time was so amazing that the, the God of the universe would provide this fire for us to lead us where we need to go. Like that has been put inside of us. And you mm-hmm. just think about it. You're like, whoa, like the privilege of that, yeah. that, you know, in the old Testament, it was like the Israelites were like how privileged we were that we're the chosen people of God. Look at how he's provided this fire. And then we are like, 10 steps further into the, the, you know, God's actually put it inside of us. And now we each can, can take care of it. Um, And that's where, you know, I try to tell people, even when it comes to your fire, view it as like, you're a steward of that, you know, like the parable of the talents, you know, God's given you five talents. What are you doing? Like God's given you a fire. Are you like taking care of it? Are you stirring it up? Are you providing dry wood for it? Are you, you know, are you blowing on the coals? Cause he he's entrusted us with this fire. And I think that's the thing that I'm the most frustrated with is I feel like there are so many Christians that are ashamed of their fire Mm. because going back to what we talked about at the beginning because it tends to be inconvenient for you know the the church that they're at or what other people in the past have built it's like we're ashamed of it and and it just goes back to like you know the the song that we sang as kids like not gonna hide it under a bushel like like we can't be ashamed of it we have to you know be stewards of it we we should take pride in how hot we can get this fire and how well we can take care of it. And and again, that just goes back to why I'm so passionate about this is I feel like, unfortunately, we are in this generation that not only doesn't understand that they can take care of this fire and, and, and they can stoke it and they can do all these things. They're actively ashamed of it. And it's almost like the people who have the brightest fire have the, the least place in our church. And, and that's where I'm so passionate to reach out and just say, no, that fire is good. Take care of it. Thank God for it. Be grateful for it because it's going to lead you where you need to go. Mm, Yes. I love that. So what would you say to someone who goes, I think this is God calling me past this boundary, but this boundary has been what I've known my whole life. And this is what the church is telling me is safe or the denomination I grew up in is how do we know that it's the Holy spirit and God speaking to us and pulling us forward. And we're not just, I mean, how do we know we're hearing his voice? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one of the greatest pieces of advice that I can give is for everybody who's listening or whatever, find one or two people that understand where you're at and and what you are are talking about because even if we can look at at church culture and say wow this this isn't the way it's supposed to be or whatever we can always find one or two people 
who we respect, who understand. And, and so it is, it is vital to still have some people that you're allowing to speak into your life. And it might take some work to find those people. And, but it's worth it because like you said, we don't want to just tear things down just because we don't like it or whatever. And so I, that's the, the biggest piece of advice is find, no matter how small it is, have a circle of like-minded people who will tell you like if what you're doing does go against the Bible um, and, and have people that you trust enough to allow that to speak in to your mm. life. But also, you know, take the time to really pray on stuff so that you have confidence going into it. So, I mean, that's the first thing I can say is we all still need other people who can show us blind spots in our life. And, and so do the work to find those one or two people because that's worth it. But then also, you know, even in the book, I talk about just testing the fence, just push at, on it. Because usually you can tell when a fence is like structural, when it's like, this is supposed to be here. This mm -hmm. is here for a purpose. Um, you know, cause I even talk about like, in the book, the difference between barricades and fences, because barricades are really good and healthy. They keep you from danger. They, they basically say, look, past this, you're going to get hurt. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, and that's a skill in of itself is learning how to kind of push and test on a fence and see who built it, you know, because it's one of those things like you can test something and you can see, was this built by a true, you know, construction company or was this thrown together by some random person that has no idea really what they're doing and that's a skill you can start to develop is you just test those fences and you can see when it's really like no I think God actually made this and I think I should probably stay behind this because there's probably something really bad for me on the other side of this but then you can also test it and see how wobbly it is and go, Ooh, I don't think that God made this. And so those are the two things that I usually encourage people find, even if it's only one or two people that you can find that you really trust are going to give you advice based on biblical understanding and not just church tradition. Um, and then learn how to just test the fence, push on it a little bit. And then pray about it and, and say, God, help me understand if this is something that you have built or not. Um, but usually what I will say is um, God is going to continue to push you where he wants you to go. Mm. So, you know, I'm somebody too, where it's like, all right, if I feel like I'm supposed to push against the fence, but it's like, I felt this way for a week or a couple months, I'll usually hang back. And just pray about it. But if it's been a year, if it's been two years, if it's if it's really been like I I keep coming back to this, and as I'm praying and as I'm trying to follow God, I just keep finding myself up against this fence. To me, that's usually a huge indicator that this probably isn't just me, because I would get distracted and I would you know see something shiny and go over the other way. But if I keep coming back, keep coming back, mm. this is probably something I need to push through. Yeah. Right. Something that God is asking you to ask questions about something that he's 
saying, no, wait a second, come back to this. <laughs> yes. Love that. Yep. Absolutely. He is so faithful to let us outside of that fence that we've constructed, or maybe we feel safe behind. Absolutely. Cause that's the thing is, is you're going to need God empowering you to, to push past it and to, mm. to go what's outside of it. Cause I mean, that's the thing is, you know, and I, and I talk about this uh, domestication, which is what I believe kind of we're living in right now in this country is kind of a domesticated Christianity. Like there's a reason why for animals, domestication is a very attractive offer. Like if you look at dogs and even cats, like they're like, Hey, this is a good deal. Like you're going to feed me. You're going to make sure nothing hurts me. You're going to, you know, whatever. I get a warm home. And all I have to do is kind of listen to what you say and maybe do a couple tricks. Like this is a pretty good deal because if I was out there, it's like, I would have to every day be clawing and scratching and, and just mm. trying to eke out my way. And so, I mean, that's the other thing is like, I think everyone has to understand, like once you push past the fence, you're giving some things up, you know, that's domestication does provide some, some things for people. Mm. Um, and so at that point, like, you have to really rely on God because no one else is going to meet your needs outside of the fence. And mm -hmm. so that's why it is, you know, making sure that you're getting there based on your relationship with God and not just based on whatever you like to rebel or whatever, because once you get outside of that, you know, you are going to have to really fully rely on God for everything, mm, because yeah. that's what happens when you're feral. It's like, no one's taking care of you at that point. I mean, so, and, and in the book, I talk about instincts and, and what's inside of you, you have to rely on that. And obviously with, with Christianity, that's the spirit of God that's living in us. It's like, okay, now this is all we have to rely on. No one's going to come and put a bowl of food for us or, or whatever, you know, it's us and God. Um, and so that's where it's, you know, you have to be ready for that. And that's why a lot of Christians, they're, they're really comfortable inside the fence and they don't really necessarily feel that need to push past it, but it's become clear that there's a lot of people who are ready and who have felt that call. And so that's where it's like, yeah, we, we need to make sure that they understand that's okay and help provide some sort of a roadmap to what mm -hmm. that might look like. Right. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I think it's so helpful, uh, your, your analogies and just letting people stir up that fire in them and go past those fences that God is calling them to go past. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the abundant grace podcast. I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend so that they can hear this encouragement and be empowered in their walk with Jesus as well. It would also mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple for the Abundant Grace podcast. It really does make a world of difference in getting this podcast into other people's ears so they can be equipped in their relationship with God as well. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email, hello at emilyklewis.com. That's emily, the letter K, L-O-U-I-S.com. And until next week, remember that God's grace abounds and won't ever run out.